You're listening to Mysteries Still Unsolved, a podcast where we discuss unsolved mysteries, both past and present. I'm your host, Rochelle. Today, we will discuss what's going on inside Aoki Kahara. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Mysteries Still Unsolved. I hope that you all made it out okay. I know that it's been a long time since we've seen or heard from each other. Did you make it out the other side unscathed, or are you emotionally bruised and bloodied and suffering serious abandonment issues? I'm sorry, but if it will make you feel better, I am And I have a very interesting, albeit somber case to discuss with you today. So hopefully I can make it up to you and hopefully we can still be friends. Um, Before we get started, I do need to do a little bit of housekeeping. If you are new around here, welcome, welcome. I want you to be able to get the most out of the podcast. So please make sure that you're following me on Instagram at mystery still unsolved. There you can see photos and videos from the cases that I cover at least once a week, I will pop in on stories to, you know, share background information, or sometimes I'll share additional context regarding the case. You can share with me your thoughts, theories, and opinions. Uh, You can even DM me a case suggestion. I love to cover cases that you are passionate about. So if there's enough information, I will definitely cover it in a future episode. I also have a website. It's www.mysterystillunsolved.com. Sometimes podcast apps can glitch or they can malfunction. But please note that you can always go to my site and binge all 78 of my episodes. Yep, that's right. 78. Call up your sweetie and tell them you're ready to podcast and chill. It's binge night, baby. Also, I'm not like other podcasts that are going to be like hounding you all the time for money and crap, but I will make one. Okay, two small requests. One, Could you please review my podcast wherever you are currently listening? Reviews, particularly good reviews, put me up higher in the rankings. That way, if there's ever a lost, true crime-loving soul out there desperately searching in the wilderness for a new true crime podcast, they will have a better chance at achieving salvation, aka finding this very podcast. My second request is that you tell everyone you know about mystery still unsolved and I know what you're thinking you think when I say tell everyone you know I mean like just tell a lot of people no I mean tell everyone you know everyone all right I think my little spiel is over hopefully I haven't weirded you out too much because if so you really might not be able to handle what is to come. (laughs) Uh, I'm kind of weird, but that's okay. We like weird here. I want to talk to you today about Aoki Kahara, but before I do, I feel like it would be terribly irresponsible of me to not inform you that this episode is about a forest known for its incredibly high suicide rates. This subject matter may trigger some listeners, so please be advised. If you or someone you know is experiencing suicidal thoughts or ideation, please know that there are resources out there 
for you. There are people out there who love you, who would be greatly saddened by your sudden loss. I would like to share a number with you that you can call and get help. That number is 1-800-273-8255. This will get you in touch with experts at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. You can call this number any time of day. They are open 24-7, 365 days per year. Help is available. Please speak with someone today. All right, so let's start our episode. Aoki Kahara, or the Sea of Trees, is an 11 square mile forest in Japan, very close to Mount Fuji. It's roughly a two hour drive west of Tokyo. It is globally known as the Suicide Forest. For some reason, an exponential amount of suicides take place here each year, leading many to wonder what is going on inside Aoki Kahara. Is it just an unfortunate coincidence, or could there be something more sinister or supernatural at play? At least since the 1960s, Aoki Kahara has become associated with suicides. The forest has a reputation as being the home to yuri, ghosts of the dead in Japanese mythology, as well as being one of the world's most used suicide sites. Because of this, signs at the head of the most popular trails urge visitors experiencing suicidal thoughts or ideation to please consider their families and to contact a suicide prevention association. In 2010, Aoki Kahara Forest experienced its highest rate of suicide victims yet, 200, exceeding the previous record of 105 in 2003. Japan records indicate that suicides typically increase during March, which marks the end of the fiscal year in Japan. As of 2011, the most common means of suicide in the forest were hanging and drug overdose. In recent years, Japan has actually discontinued publicizing the numbers of suicide victims found inside of Aoki Kahara in an effort to hopefully like, keep people from sensationalizing it and stop it from being a tourist attraction. Aoki Kahara's popularity and notoriety in pop culture took a huge jump in 1961 when a novel titled Nami no To, or Tower of Waves, was published. However, the history of suicide in Aoki Kahara predates the novel. Aoki Kahara has always been associated with death, and the forest has always been reputed as haunted by the yuri, ghosts, of those left to die. Ubisate may have been practiced in the forest as well, into the 19th century, which may hold the answers to why this actually quite beautiful and ethereal location may not be all that it seems to the naked eye. So, for us uncultured swine <laughs> who are thinking to ourselves, what the heck is ubasate? Is it that new taste that we never learned when we were kids? You know, sweet, salty, sour, bitter, and ubasate? Uh, no. Ubisate is actually the mythical practice of senicide in Japan, whereby an infirm or elderly relative was carried to a mountain or some other remote desolate place and left there to die so that they would no longer be a burden to their families. It's more of a legend than a common custom. Still, there are those who believe it has happened from time to time, and many believe Aoki Kahara has made the perfect spot for it as it is vast and desolate. In the parking lot of the infamous forest, there are typically several abandoned cars. Cars that have been gathering leaves, pine needles, and debris for months. It's honestly just so sad and heartbreaking. The Japanese government is really trying to discourage people to go to Aokikahara. The locals to the area often refuse to go anywhere near the forest. 
it's really only tourists from other countries or Japanese people um, from other locations contemplating suicide that are going there. I watched one little docuseries of a man who went there to record, and he said that when he got off the bus, the Japanese people were giving him weird and super concerned looks, and many actually tried to prevent him from leaving the bus. They were genuinely concerned about his welfare, and I'm assuming probably because of the language barrier, I'm sure some of them thought that he was planning to take his own life. But besides that, the locals believe that angry ghosts haunt the forest. They believe that someone going in out of plain old curiosity may unknowingly become possessed by the evil ghosts and those ghosts will ensure the person commits suicide basically implanting suicidal thoughts in an otherwise not suicidal person so it's not just that people go there to commit suicide it is a common belief of the locals that you will be enticed entranced hypnotized and possibly manipulated by ghosts into committing suicide even though that's not what your intent was when you entered Aokikahara. The forest floor is littered in random items such as shoes, watches, umbrellas, and discarded tents. If you stumble across a tent, it's possible that there is a person in the forest who is either contemplating suicide and like this is their home base as they decide what they're going to do, or that they've already committed suicide somewhere nearby. I also found it interesting that there were all these different colored ribbons and they were kind of almost like these creepy, eerie decorations that decorated the tree line. And they are set up by those wanting to go deeper into the forest in an isolated place so that they, but they're not sure if they want to kill themselves yet. So they leave a trail of ribbon to lead them back out in case they later change their minds. Many tourists who have traveled to Aokikahara said that the deeper you get into the forest, the more likely it is for you to lose cell phone service. So it's not like you'd be able to like use Google Maps to get out of there. And even for those experienced investigators who are smart enough to bring compasses or GPS transmitters, those too also begin to malfunction the deeper into the forest you go. And from watching the videos that I've seen, it would be really easy to make a wrong turn and get stuck walking around that place forever. I'm sure that I don't have to tell you that there are many videos posted by American YouTubers mocking or disrespecting or otherwise nonchalantly discussing this highly sensitive topic. I'm sure some of you might remember the scandal with Logan Paul in 2017. So this was a famous YouTuber who was making millions of dollars by being endorsed by companies like Pepsi to film his outrageous content on his daily YouTube show. This dude had been making videos since the age of 10 and now he was 22 driving around in a $250,000 car. But in 2017, this guy got a reality check. Um, he visited the Aokikahara forest with a crew to film whatever he could find within. The whole time he is just laughing and partying and having a jovial time. And unfortunately, this attitude doesn't cease when they actually stumble across a suicide victim. Um, he proceeds to feign sadness and then quickly returns the focus on himself and asks someone off camera if they've ever stood next to a dead body. And he asks this while laughing. Um, the They blur out the victim's face, but they actually film the deceased person. Then this idiot doesn't have the wherewithal to like go home or go to his hotel room, think about what has been filmed, kind of like reflect on it and be like, is this really something that I should post for millions of my followers to see? Nope. He just posted it on YouTube per usual. 
and millions upon millions of people viewed it with his clickbaity title and thumbnail picture. Oh, I should probably also mention that his main demographic was children. Yeah, that's right. Children. Thankfully, I have hope for humanity now because he was quickly put on blast for his outrageous behavior and many of his endorsement deals retracted their sponsorship. Glad to know that Logan Paul finally had a huge helping of Humble Pie. Uh, For my research today, I decided to mostly watch documentaries or read material regarding the forests that were done and produced by local Japanese individuals, spoken or written in Japanese, but with English subtitles or translation. I felt that this would probably give me the best information from people who have a reverent respect and knowledge of what they're talking about. Seriously, my gosh, no wonder the world hates us Americans if they think that we're all like the insensitive idiot Logan Paul. Yeah, I'm talking about you, Logan. You suck. Uh, The main video I used in today's episode was done by a Japanese geologist named Asuza Hayano, who frequently visits the forest because he is studying a dormant volcano nearby. He simultaneously volunteers as a suicide prevention patroller since he's out there for so many hours anyway. I will link his video in the show notes if you want to take a look at it. Asuza tells us that historically, suicide in Japan was seen as an act of heroism done by samurais. He also repeats the information that I told you previously that the forest was a known abandonment place for the invalid and the elderly. However, by his account, it is not at all a myth and very much a fact, like a common fact. Uh, He made it seem much more common than the previous article I read stated. He also says it's not really locals to the area who are committing suicide in this forest because as children, they are taught at a very young age not to even go near this forest. The locals are genuinely terrified of the place. It's typically Japanese people from other parts of Japan or tourists from other countries. He says that he has been working in these woods collecting scientific data for over 20 years, and in those 20 years, he has had to report to the authorities at least 100 human corpses. Whenever he finds a tent, he looks inside to see if he can either find human remains or get that information to the authorities so that their families can be notified, or perhaps the person is still alive and he can help them see that they are loved and that there is help for them. During Asuza's walk with the film crew, he finds a puppet nailed upside down to a tree. To my eyes, I would have just seen it as a prank done by some stupid tourist, but he says it is a well-known symbol of having contempt for society within the Japanese culture. It symbolizes that whoever did that, whoever nailed it upside down, felt cursed to be harshly judged by society or his family eternally. And the guy was right because just a little further down, there was a note nailed to a tree. It was a suicide note that read, I came here because I have never had anything good happen to me in life. Don't look for me. I am nailed down much like the other one. He says that he believes the person that wrote the suicide note probably went home. He says that when he does find bodies in the forest, there is usually no suicide note or like frills such as like a puppet nailed upside down. He says that no, they usually just come in and do it. So he has hope that the person that left this suicide note decided not to go through with it. He says that one day he came upon a man who had attempted to kill himself, but had made the rope too long. The tips of his toes could touch the ground, but not 
enough to get himself out of this incredibly painful situation. Lucky for him, he was found by Azusa, who was able to cut him down and talk to him for about an hour. Azusa asked the man if he would reconsider taking his own life. The man agreed, and they both walked out of the forest together. What a blessing that Azusa stumbled upon this man before it was too late. Asuza believes that society has made it such that suicide will only increase in numbers in years to come. He says that back in the day, face-to-face interaction was not only vital, um, you had to do it in order to engage, like you had to engage with people in order to work, but also like just to survive. Um, but now you can be online all day, never interacting with another human being. You can have your groceries sent to you. You can do telehealth appointments. You can go to school online. You can work online. You can just like compare yourself to people on all the social media. And because of this, people are lonely and they're feeling isolated and they're feeling bad about themselves. And he says that he believes we need to be out there face to face with others to read people's facial expressions and hear their voices in real time. He says it's so important to feel the embrace of a loved one or get a high five from a friend. In an episode of The Unexplained hosted by William Shatner, they brought a medium to the Aokikahara forest. So this medium woman, she goes in just a little bit and immediately feels nauseous and faint and refuses to go in any deeper. She says that there's just too much death in this place. Uh, She feels overwhelmed and just overcome with grief, sorrow, and dread. The Aokikahara is actually a beautiful, ethereal, and almost whimsical forest. It is lush and green and seems so vibrant and full of life. That is, of course, if you can look past the discarded shoes, umbrellas, tents, all the things that litter the ground, and also the makeshift nooses dangling from almost every sturdy tree branch. I'm curious to know how you all feel about the Aokikahara Forest. Had you ever heard of it before? Do you think it is haunted because of the many deaths that have occurred there? Or do you think that the folklore of the forest being haunted has enticed hundreds, if not thousands of people to seek it out when they wish to commit suicide? I kind of think it's a bit of the chicken or the egg. Like, honestly, it could go either way. Again, Before I wrap up today's episode, I just want to repeat the number for the suicide helpline for you or anyone you know who may be experiencing suicidal thoughts or ideation. That number is 1-800-273-8255. Again, that's 1-800-273-8255. I am not an expert, so I don't have or know the right thing to say to help someone change their mind. But the experts on the other line of that number do know what they're talking about, and they will be able to provide you with resources, help, and hope. Thank you all for joining me this week for another episode of Mysteries Still Unsolved. I very much appreciate you all taking 30 to 40 minutes out of your week to hang out with me. Uh, Want to know how to support this podcast? Of course you do. <laughs> Follow me on Instagram at Mysteries Still Unsolved. Visit my website at www.mysteriesstillunsolved.com. Leave me a review wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts. Tell a true crime-loving friend or family member about me, and don't feel the need to limit it to family and friends. Tell your orthopedist, your choir instructor, your esthetician, your third cousin once removed, your ecclesiastic leader. I want everyone to know about Mysteries Still Unsolved. But the best way to support this podcast would be 
to join me next week when together we'll discover, did someone ever place a useful tip? Has justice prevailed? Or is the mystery still unsolved?